Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, I am sitting down with Nikolai Emig, and I'm really hoping that I said that right, discussing Kotlin for teaching kids programming. Hi, Nikolai. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Did I say your name correctly? Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good, right? It was like, nah, that's kind of like, yeah, right. whatever. It was good enough. Yeah, Just, it's okay. He didn't embarrass me. So <laughs> where, where are you based? Um, I'm from Germany near Munich, and I'm a, a teacher for computer science, um, which we call informatics in Germany. Thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm actually particularly interested in this topic for multiple reasons. One, because of whether, you know, Kotlin could become a f premier language for, for teaching people programming, and uh, more importantly, uh, for, for kids. Uh, I have uh, three kids, and uh, I, I can successfully claim that I have unsuc been unsuccessful in teaching any of them programming. Okay. Um, so, yeah, let, let, teach me something so that I can teach my... Uh, I still have another opportunity <laughs> with, my, with my youngest one. Maybe, maybe he'll, he'll decide to, to okay. learn something. So uh, why Kotlin? And like, where did this start? What were you using before Kotlin? Or, and actually, give me a little bit of background of what you do, who you teach, what are the ages, etc.? Yeah, so I uh, teach at a German grammar school. We call it gymnasium, something like in between high school and, and college. And um, it prepares for the A-level exams, but it already starts in the fifth grade with 10-year-olds. And we get all the way up until 18, 19. And if they have to repeat a class, maybe 20 or 21. But um, yeah, and actually we start teaching informatics in the sixth grade. But these are 11 olds, uh, 11, 12 old students. Um, but we don't really program there. We start with uh, object orientation and we yeah, transform objects like, like real objects, like um, a rectangle or a circle and uh, get all the properties like radius, fill color, etc. And let the ch uh, children play with it in a, yeah, a pre-made, let's, let's call it an IDE. So, and then in the seventh grade, they have um, the possibility to experience with algorithms. Uh, it's a little program called uh, Robot Carol, and it's primary, primarily one object, the Robot Carol, which can be programmed with loops and uh, with if clauses, etc. When that you is, say, yeah. just, just uh, for our listeners, and for me actually, because I know that you follow some different systems to other places, uh, seventh grade is what ages? Um, seventh grade is like 12, 13. 12, 13. Okay. Yeah. So at 10 years, you teach them object orientation? No, they start at uh, 10 years in the fifth grade, and we start in the sixth grade with uh, like 11. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's... That's interesting. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand your astonishment because um, that's really a problem we face because we have so few teachers who can actually um, who can actually teach informatics in in Germany and Bavaria uh, in particular so that sometimes our biology or physics teacher have to have to do this and this is quite hard because it's a very abstract concept for people this young and uh, this sometimes leads to confusion i think there's like a million functional programmers out there just listening to this saying 
why did you do this? Why did you start with object orientation? Why, like, why are you teaching a 10-year-old object orientation? Yeah, well, it's it's really like more than like a game. They don't get anything about about yeah about encapsulation or principle of secrecy. They they just manipulate objects to get a feel for it. Let's call it this way. And I think it's still valid because if you like, if you take a look at maths, the reason I'm bringing this up is there is this theory in that if we were to teach people functional programming from get-go as opposed to no let's let's start with object oriented languages functional programming would become mainstream and everyone would be doing functional programming and everything would be wonderful uh, <laughs> and the, the question of course is is you know when you take a look at an object you can compare it like you say to a rectangle you can compare it to uh, uh, a ball that they're playing with right and you can say to the to them well a ball has a diameter and it and it has a color and things like that right and from there then you kind of introduce the whole behavior of the ball and things like that yeah and yeah you know it's i guess with with functional programming it's you can also obviously introduce the concept of an object and and the properties and everything that it holds uh, but then you can't tie that behavior to it, I guess. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's still interesting that you're starting with uh, object-oriented programming. Yeah. I think this was the base idea of the curriculum to just get them into something that they can more easily transfer into the real world because they can see a ball, they can see a circle. And maybe this was the, the reason. And they're but, all going to become Java programmers anyway. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but you have to, you have to be honest. Um, this the curriculum in in a German grammar school is something that's made for for years, and it's has been made well like I don't know five or six years ago. So it stays; it it, it doesn't develop as rapidly as the the real computer science technology evolves. So maybe it will it will get refreshed anytime soon, but I doubt it. Yeah, kind of like the uh, recently. I don't know if you saw in the news that the. Um, salary or unemployment system or something in, in New York City were looking for COBOL programmers because it was all written in COBOL. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. They're, they're the best paid, I heard. Yeah, for, I know, yeah. Well, yeah. As they say, you know, as the, as, as the sea of programmers becomes smaller and the, it becomes a pond, the fish become bigger, right? Yeah. Okay, so what were you using before Kotlin? Yeah, so um, with real programming we start in the 10th grade that's like 16 to 17 year old uh, students and um, the curriculum says we shall we should do uh, object-oriented programming and almost all teachers do java some do python but that's only that's only a few actually i don't know anyone in person who does this but i've heard sayings about it all but all the books are for java and they sometimes have a small a small chapter with for python but it's it's java and um it's a very special setup that we use and almost all bavarian schools use um it's called blue jay you know this ide it's a very downsized educational ide where you can actually drop class diagrams on it and then double click the class card and get into the code yeah. 
So um, it works good, but um, it's it's well, it's quite far from real programming as far as I know it. I never developed any in any company or anything. So I'm no hardcore developer who depended for living on it, but I, I had my glimpse of it. And the the IDE is so is so downsized that it's 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 hiding many things. And I, I personally use the game engine which is called Engine Alpha. It's a Java game engine with it, which was made by a Bavarian teacher who wanted to introduce all the concept from the curriculum in a in a gameish manner. And I used it. It's for this to use it in this way in this in this setting. It's it's okay. You can use it, but it's very unperformant and very slow and sometimes complicated. And um, that was the main reason why I always looked out for something which is more to into the real world. I always wanted to get something running on, on the mobile devices of the students and not just the, the computer lab computers. And that was the main reason why I, I reached out to get something others. I tried, um, well, not, not only tried, I was really into Swift some years ago, like in version one or two or three, I don't know, but it's it's... It's some years ago, and I really liked it. But the problem with that was that uh, we don't have Apple devices in in our school, so it was very hard to come by. And I had some extra courses for students, um, taught them a bit of of Swift programming, but that was not to fulfill the main curriculum. Yeah, and how is the I would say the uptake has it has how's it been? Like the reception of this. So you mean the Java programming thing? Yes. Well, we you in every in every course you have like the top ten percent, which are just the the crazy nerds, which are the students who are just it's just like a, like a cliche, the ones with the A's in maths and in physics. These are the ones that are good in informatics. And then you have like something in between the, the students who could be interested in getting more into this, but, but they need to somehow, they need to be motivated. And then there is the, the bottom 10%, which um, doesn't matter what you do, they're just not interested. And the problem is that my style of teaching somehow enforced it that the good students got really hooked up to it and chose um, informatics for their A-level uh, courses. Um, but the others, even the one in the mid-range, got a bit left behind because the pace was then too fast and the concepts were too abstract somehow also due to the to the engine we used because I think to, to really make progress, it's, it's, yeah, it's very complicated uh, to, to get some yeah, to, to force them to, to use some design patterns, etc. So the reception was the reception was well the better ones got better, the medium ones, some got better, most got worse, and the worst ones, the, the, the bottom ten percent, yeah, just just stayed there. And then what about with Kotlin? The thing is I was somehow unsatisfied to do it this way. And then I asked a friend who works at a, 
um, yeah, at a software company in in Munich, and I asked him what would you what programming language would you use if you have to like develop a modern Android game? And he told me, "Why have you tried Kotlin?" So I said, "No, actually, the the name is for German ears. It's somewhat somewhat off." I thought, "Oh, this this can't be a serious name." And uh, yeah, let's let's so, not go there. Let's let's just <laughs> pretend that 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 didn't even happen. Yeah. Okay. But um, so I got into this, and I, I yeah just googled the regular stuff, and then I made the. Somebody said it was it was it a Udemy course from the official course from JetBrains? I don't know. I did that, but I don't don't know if it's I, Udemy. I, that, that may have been Google. I don't. We don't have an official course on JetBrains on Udemy. Um, yeah. Okay. That's. I can. I could look it up, but it's it was an official course uh, with uh, yeah like assignments and everything. That the first time I did something like this, I even paid for the version where I can get the certificate at the end, and. Um, I, I really liked it and I really enjoyed it. And so, yeah, I, I stayed with it. And then I was thinking, well, if you really make a change from Java to, to Kotlin, you should really you should really get in, into this because it's a lot of work for me. It's a lot of work for the, for the students, which can just rely on material I've created in thousand copies like three or four years ago so they have to stick with it what i what i made yesterday basically and so i looked out for a for a gaming engine i could use because i thought i always thought that this would be the best way to to really make them be able to well if not completely program themselves but to yeah complete code to get a real game out of it and um then I, I, I found one and I uh, stick to that since today. And I must say, I, I really love it and it's a lot of work, but I really enjoyed it and I think that I made the right decision. Why gaming? I mean, I realize that, you know, there's this pre I don't want to say preconception. There is this idea that kids were going to love learning to program by writing games. Now, fair enough that I started to write, learn programming by, you know, typing in uh, peaks and pokes from magazines back at the time when I, you know, started to play with computers. Uh, but, you know, once I get a, got a sense of what programming is, the last thing that crossed my mind was, oh, you know what? I want to write a game because I always thought like games are so complex and so involved and why would I want to do this? I guess, I don't know. But uh, but it's like every other platform for teaching kids programming is focused around games. Yeah, well, that's somehow, I get, this is the questions I, I always got because they, they told me, oh, uh, if I choose informatics, because they don't have to, they can get into a branch in grammar school where you mostly focus on languages and not on science. Uh, well, actually, nature science. So uh, they have. Why should I choose the the path where I have informatics and all this physics stuff? And they always came up. Yeah, can we write real games then? And I always had to say, well, maybe ish, and. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I really can't explain it, but why it's, it's still so strong. But I remember when I was like around 12 or 13, maybe I had a, a game studio. We founded one in the basement of my mom's house. And uh, we wrote a, a Pong clone in basic and it, uh, we felt awesome, and I really like this. I really like this approach to get something done, which you, which you can actually, yeah, be able to do single steps where you always have a functioning product. The first day you just get the movement of your character. So the second, the second week or the second day or what, you you animate the character, and then you um, yeah, add enemies and things. And I think this this is quite quite motivating for students if they have a product which isn't ready at the end so but which they can show off to their friends and their families and which just gets gets better and more complete as long as they as they stick i guess everyone is different and i guess that there are studies that demonstrate that yes everyone loves to uh, you know kids like to play games therefore let's teach them how to write their own game mm -hmm. you know um, yeah, maybe it works for many kids. For me, at least, it's different. For me, it's like, oh, look, I can write an application that I could, you know, catalog my my discs of, or, or yeah. LPs back in the days. But anyway, coming back to the the Java to Kotlin, you went to Kotlin. Did you do this mid course? Did you do it with the same students, or did you start this in a new year with like, you know, dropped Java and went to Kotlin? Yeah, well, it happened at the be beginning of the of the current year, so I haven't we hadn't uh, any courses already in in Java running, so I hadn't had to switch the the yeah in the running course, but we had to, we could start fresh with Kotlin, but it was quite tough because the decision I made was well like over the weekend, so I just said, oh okay. I like it. I want it. I found something which I can use, and uh, let's do this from Monday on. And the materials I created at first were just were yeah maybe let's call them not not perfect, and uh, they had to go through some yeah breaking API changes several times, and uh, that's one thing I hope this will be better in the in the next course. And how was the student? reception in that case like what i was what i'm trying to understand is at mm -hmm. that age whether there are people that kind of really change their mind or embrace programming because of a change of syntax well the thing is that we have a real break from the ninth to the 10th grade uh, in the ninth grade the first uh, year the first half year is uh, we do well, what's it called? Calculus with like Excel and, and stuff like that. And then we move on to databases and they learn a bit of uh, SQL. We, we chose MySQL and they have, yeah, yeah, they, they do small, they can create small databases. They can uh, query the databases. They do some joins and everything. And in the 10th grade, we just say, yeah, you forget everything. And now we do object oriented programming. And uh, let's do this. Come on, Java now. And what I realized with the... Uh, oh, no, I, I remember. It's Coursera. Yes, Coursera was by Svetlana, uh, my colleague. It's not Udemy, it's Coursera. Uh, yeah, again, 
So I just made an example where we just copied like the the structure we had in the end of the ninth grade where we do the databases. We just do some queries over uh, a German soccer league uh, database and tables. And I just transferred this whole database into Kotlin collections, like lists, etc. Because I thought that if you were able to use SQL queries, you could easily do this on a uh, collection with with like dot filter and stuff like that because it's somehow related, and I think this made the switch somehow more easy. And then we just yeah, slid into into the yeah, into the other stuff where we what we teach in in object oriented programming. And I actually quite like this approach. Um, yeah. Because it's not it's not such a it's a rough switch. It's more like a, a gentle introduction of it. And the thing is that um, I demanded quite a lot of the students this year because I mostly did yeah, self-learn lectures. So we have like uh, data types. We have uh, semantic versus syntax. We have class and objects. We have class diagrams and inheritance and things. And they had to do these on their own at home and then in the in the in the class itself we we talked about their experiences with it and we they could yeah could could question me and uh, ask things that they didn't understand um and this is where well most of the most of the class really enjoyed it i think although it was quite it was quite demanding Okay, now going back a little bit to the first grades where you, not the first grade, but like the first grades where yeah. you introduce the concept of programming. Do you use any languages there or you just talk about objects and, and properties of those objects? Well, it's, it's, not a, it's not a language per se. It's just like a, a vector program, which actually, when you click on the on the yeah, on the representation of like a rectangle, it just lists all the properties in an object diagram and in the class diagram. And you can manipulate it with a simple language, but it's not it's not like a known programming language. It's just the, the properties in a German name and then you can set uh, radius uh, equals 6.0 and then it just applies that. What do you think is the earliest age that you could get generally children into programming based on your experience like obviously there's always going to be the 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 special ones that like are fascinated by this and, and take a liking to it and jump on board but overall do you feel like there's a minimum age that you could start to introduce programming to children yeah well it's it's hard to say uh, we i don't think there's a definitive age but because sometimes when a colleague is, is sick you have to jump in and get into his class and they sometimes do a code.org where you can just like use um, yeah you can pull i don't know what's it called you, you pull the commands uh, together and string them together so that the program runs you have to don't have to write any code yourself you just pull the uh yeah the pieces together and 
this is this is a kind of programming and even in the fifth grade like 10 year olds they they enjoy it but to to be really able to yeah introduce concepts or something even something like object orientation in its simplest form i think it's even the sixth grade like we do it is is quite a bit early mm. yeah, which goes like, back to yeah. so many websites that are talking about gaming when they're introducing i mean there's one website i can't remember what it's called it's a uh, it's it, it's like making arcade games. It's something by Microsoft. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it shows how it, it's kind of like uh, Scratch. You remember Scratch from yeah, MIT? Yeah. So you yeah. get this kind of where you can drag and draw, drop blocks of code and conditionals and that. And it, it guides you through it. And then there's a little button at the top that says, uh, see the output in JavaScript. And it gives you the most unintuitive JavaScript that, you really have to know JavaScript, understand it, know the concept of objects, understand events, understand how JavaScript has tried to mimic at time classes. And it's like, why? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, from one side you're saying, oh look, you know, this is a, this is a this is a little scooter that with three wheels that you can ride on, uh, and your kid rides on it, and and next thing you know, it's like, okay, and now here's the car, go drive. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things you also talked about, uh, well, we mentioned is Engine Emmy. So tell me about this. <laughs> well, yeah, the, until I, I talked to Sebastian Eigner, which, which somehow introduced you to me, um, the development was, uh, yeah, it, that got some development. My first goal was after I found the the Corge engine, which is somehow the base layer for what I can I can do. It's it's a gaming engine um, from yeah, let's call him a, f yeah, a friend of mine. Uh, I think you know him too. It's uh, uh, Carlos Ballesteros Valesco. He wrote it. It's a Corge engine. Yes. And yeah, this is somehow the baseline for the stuff I can do because. I would not be able to do this whole multi-platform thing. And he's so good in, in, in doing it. And I just wanted to use this and yeah, do a, a didactical wrapper around it for my students. So first thing that they can start with at least some German names in it and with a more direct um, approach that they could just write something like... Uh, rectangle um, braces and then there's a rectangle on the screen so no no callbacks no x and y coordinates for once and nothing so i wanted to write a wrapper around it and so i did and then i got in contact with carlos uh, even more and he added then so many things that i wanted to do in my engine in my wrapper um, so that i don't want now I, I changed my I, I changed uh, the way I wanted I want to integrate it now. The first yeah iteration was this engine Emmy uh, is is my engine which offers Corga functionality. And now I use the in the engine Emmy the Corga uh, use the Corga engine with an engine Emmy let's call it library for easier access for my for my students so there was a bit of a uh, switch and um, the name engine emmy is well at first it was just a placeholder but it's, some, it's somehow stuck so 
in lack of better a better name, I just stuck with it now. <laughs> <laughs> and the website, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, I mean, the website is all in German right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's only in German. Yeah. Okay. But the project is available on GitHub. Yeah, it's it's on it's on GitHub, and uh, with the help of Carlos, I was able to to even get a, a library published on Bintray, which is uh, well. It's a challenge. It was, it, it's it's it's, yeah. uh, it's it's a less of a challenge than getting a library published on Maven Central, uh, but it's, it's still a challenge. It's it was I think I spent three or four days even to only get get this to work, but I'm I'm learning every day. So and I think at the time being, I really I could do my my classes with Korge only and a bit of my library. But at the moment, I'm sticking to yeah to my engine and uh, my my Gradle plugin because this this keeps me fit and I have to yeah I have to always uh, look yeah what's new in Korge and how can I can I implement it and how can I make it work so that I I don't get overtaken by the by the rapid development. Yeah. And talking about Sebastian, uh, obviously uh, he focuses quite a bit on Kotlin JavaScript at JetBrains. Uh, mm -hmm. Is that something you're looking into as well? Yeah, this was one of the first um, reasons um, that I, I chose Kotlin too, because at the school we have you know, a very, you know, very strict write management on the on the computer lab. So it's they are all running a terminal mode, so the students just have a display and a keyboard and a mouse and no real real computer beneath them they sometimes only have like real uh, thin clients which are all only in terminal mode and this makes running things in the in the gbm quite problematic and this was a possibility to just compile it to javascript because a browser can always run on a terminal machine and um, this was the yeah, the first things I, I tried out and still until today, the if you work as one of my students in the lab, you have to run my projects or the projects they do in, in my class in JavaScript, compile them to JavaScript and then run them there. But some of them already bring their own computers or do it at home so they can run it in, in GBM or maybe sometimes even natively. Yeah. Cool. Well, we're... Running out of time, so it was uh, great to chat with you and great to see the things that you're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm personally a big proponent and advocate for bringing more Kotlin to education, uh, not only at the college level, but also at yeah. schools. Um, and so I, I, I really enjoy hearing these stories and, and how things are picking up. Yeah. And, and thank you for doing this as well. Yeah, of course. The the language is is really we really benefit from it. The the tools are quite hard for the for the students. So if we we use IntelliJ, of course, but this this is the yeah the biggest leap they have to take with because Gradle of the complexity of the tool. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Yeah, not have, just a play button and it it runs. So have you tried the educational plugin for IntelliJ? Yeah, I I have I have tried it, but uh, I somehow switched back from it. I don't know. I don't know, remember the the reason. Um, I think it was compatibility reasons on the on the school lab computers because um, I think it was quite hard uh, for me to get it 
uh, to run as I as I wanted. And what it to about be. the online Kotlin? Uh, you know, like you can get at try.kotlinlang.org or play.kotlinlang.org. Yeah, yeah, I have uh, small lectures which only use, uh, use the online version. But uh, if I want to do anything like uh, game programming or graphical interfaces or yeah, something like this, need. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, you know, at the end of the day, there's also so much the tool can do because then you yeah. have the complexities of dependencies, and you got to explain to people what Gradle is and what Maven is, and you know, there's, there's a lot of aspects of the tooling. Yeah, so, yeah. Cool. Anyway, well, thanks a lot for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Goodbye.